Welcome to episode 605 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Although not games tonight, which you actually celebrated before we pressed record. I did. I, I did a little happy dance. And it's a rare thing because usually we do have game news, but not tonight. Nothing all that exciting. No, no, not really. So we do have listener feedback this week, though, that was sent in to us via our email address, which is entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. We do. And the first one is, well, the only one is from Alfred. And this is regarding our discussion about Google Music a little while ago. He says, I was a fan of Google Play Music. And since it was bundled with YouTube Red, it was a no-brainer. When YouTube Music replaced it, it was horrible. And it messed up your video interface. Since then, Google's improved the experience, especially on mobile devices. But it's busy, and it's about the same as Amazon Music. He says he has two tips he'd like to pass on. One, you can still upload your own music to your YouTube Music account using the web interface on a PC. And two, I find that setting up a second channel on your account just for music helps keep your music and videos separate. Not an ideal app, but free and paid for as an attractiveness all its own. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. But um, I'm curious, Josh, I don't really know what he's referring to when he says setting up a second channel in YouTube. Is that like having a sub account on your YouTube account? I wondered the same thing. Uh, it, It made me kind of wonder if it was something specific to YouTube music, maybe because I'm not a YouTube music subscriber, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I guess I'm a more casual YouTube user, despite, you know, the fact that we also run this YouTube channel, but even that feels fairly basic compared to most people running a YouTube channel. (laughs) But yeah, when I consider channel, I, I think of the people who own their, like that are publishing videos on right. YouTube. Right. But maybe it's possible to create different channels for listening to music, which would make sense if you didn't want to kind of intersperse stuff that you listen to potentially. And the idea of not having it affect stuff on your video side. I like that. I think that's a great idea. I do want to call out his first point, which I think is really attractive. And that is one of the reasons that I still keep a similar service that's available through Apple Music, which is the ability to upload your own music. And it's not just matching it. If they don't have it, you will be able to upload your own music file and be able to listen to it through your YouTube music account. And that is a great thing. Yeah, I I had forgotten that services were still doing that. I I remembered that the old original Google Play Music supported that, but I forgot that YouTube was doing that and I really forgot that Apple was doing that. Yep, it's a feature I love. All right, well, Alfred, thank you for writing in and thank you even more for sharing some tips with the rest of the Entertainment 2.0 listeners. So, 
Let's jump into the music or the music. Wow, I'm still uh, one track mind there on, on the feedback. <laughs> Let's jump into the news here. I'm really excited about this news, uh, and I'm sure that when Richard saw the, the the headline, he thought, "Why is this the first story?" No, no, but I think I knew. Kind of a big deal. Okay, I knew. <laughs> so what feels like many many months ago, and I'm not even sure when it was at this point, um, but it was at some point during the summer. NVIDIA released an update for the NVIDIA Shield TV box, uh, NVIDIA Shield Experience 9.1. And before that was released, we said, "Mm, maybe you want to hold off on installing these updates because they've been known to break things in the past. And sure enough, it broke something. If you had an external hard drive connected uh, for, it seems like many, if not most people, it was breaking the ability to watch things like Netflix and um, Disney Plus. And I thought for sure, for sure, they would fix this bug quickly. They did not fix it quickly. It has been months. <laughs> but it's now supposedly fixed. Now, we're, we're recording this Tuesday, November 1st. This update just came out today. So I've not had a chance to install this on mine. And even if I had... I don't really think that one day is enough time because, you know, I, I did leave my hard drive connected after a while because I, I shared a tip like disconnect your hard drive um, and then reconnect it and it'll be fine for a while. But then the problem would come back and eventually I got sick of them not fixing it and just have left my hard drive disconnected. Oh, wow. For Yeah, for a while. So we've basically not had a functioning Plex server, which for us isn't the biggest deal in the world. And even for channels, uh, I just wasn't recording any any TV content through channels DVR either. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the biggest problem in the world uh, until actually this week. I was thinking, oh, there's that uh, music concert that I had on there that I'd really like to watch again. Too bad the hard drive's not plugged in. (laughs) So... Uh, this week, I will be plugging my hard drive back in and uh, doing this update to make sure that everything still works. It's also kind of coincidental that the other biggest features that are coming out here, because while there's a bunch of bugs that they fixed here, and if you have any NVIDIA Shield TV, you should check out this post to see all of the bugs that were fixed, because you might have been experiencing others too. But there are some features here. and. A lot of them are really based around HDMI CEC, which it seems like we keep talking about on this show. Yep. And this time around, uh, maybe the most important one is that they've made it so that just changing the input on your television to the HDMI input where you have your shield connected will wake the shield up, which, again, this all feels like quite a coincidence because I've been trying to use CEC type things more frequently lately to really give this a try in in my own house. And I've actually been struggling uh, with the Logitech Harmony remote turning the stupid shield on. Um, it, It seems like it's most common when I played Xbox the night before and then in the morning I want to turn on the shield and it turns on the TV and it switches the input but it doesn't turn the shield on and I have to push it a couple of times. And I think today I, I couldn't get the harmony to turn it on 
at all. Mm. I had to open the, the Harmony app on my phone and go to the devices section and manually turn the shield on, and then it worked. So this will be a nice feature too. And, and if that's something that needs to be enabled, I will be looking for that because this is annoying. And I think that would fix the problems that even my Logitech Harmony can't always fix. Now, is there a chance that your shield may have already updated to this new version? I can't remember if I have automatic updates turned on. I don't think I do. Okay. Because here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the Harmony was automatically turning the device off. Let me say that differently. The Harmony was adjusting the power or, or toggling the power of the device when in fact it was turning itself on. So when the Harmony changed the power, it ended up turning it off. I am pretty sure that the shield has discrete on and off commands. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's a toggle. All right. Yeah. That would be funny and a little ironic. <laughs> right. Because you're trying to use the remote to make things easier, exactly. not harder. And those discrete on and off commands are crucial to making these types of universal remotes work well. Yes. Okay, so go and I guess go and install this soon. Like I feel really mixed on giving that advice because I I want people to be able to have their their storage devices and protected content working at the same time. But what new bugs are they going right. to introduce with right. this update? Hopefully, they didn't break something else. Uh, yeah. On on a device that's been out since 2015, I think, is when the NVIDIA Shield first launched. You would think they'd have most of these bugs fixed by now and stop introducing new ones. All right. Well, let's move on to the other video story this week. And this is actually a follow-up of a story that we talked about back on episode 599. And that was TCL announced back then the new 6 Series TV for 2022. And because they flip-flop the smart TV operating system on, on a yearly basis, the 2022 model is the one that is equipped with Roku instead of Google TV. Well, it's out now, and our favorite TV reviewer on the internet, uh, Katzmeyer over at CNET, has gotten to do a full review of this TV and, unsurprisingly, likes it a whole lot. So let's get into a little bit of the details here quick. So it is offered in four sizes, 55, 65, 75, and 85 inches. And this is a mini LED TV. So it's still not quite as good from, from a contrast perspective and stuff like that as OLED but significantly better than traditional LED TVs. And um, that's not the only cool new stuff. So it also has four HDMI inputs, two of which are 4K at either 120 or 144 hertz. So the the 120 hertz refresh rate will be great for uh, Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 owners. And if you're hooking this up to a computer, you can go all the way up to 144 hertz, and of course, it supports variable refresh rate and all of that good gaming goodness. Again, two of the HDMI inputs support those resolutions and refresh rates. So if you have both of the new consoles, then you're all set with this TV. 
The other two HDMI inputs are 4K at 60 frames per second. And what uh, what most of the the documentation things that I've been reading have been saying is one of the HDMI inputs supports eARC. Well, which one? Because that's really important. I had to do some digging here because I don't want to give up one of the really good HDMI right. inputs for eARC. And fortunately, it is one of the 4K60 inputs that is supported, uh, that supports eARC. So if you're going to plug your soundbar in, use that one. Yeah, I can't imagine they would have wasted eARC on one of these high, uh, high capacity ports. That would have made no sense. Uh, well, my 4K Vizio TV only had one input that supported 4K with HDR, and that was the one that also supported audio return channel. What are they thinking? It was insane. I mean, they might have been thinking that you put a receiver in there. That's the only thing that I could imagine. Right. Yeah. But that's probably not very many people. <laughs> right? That is so... 2015. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's great stuff. The other cool thing worth pointing out here is the stand. I don't know that I've ever talked about a built-in TV stand on a, on a TV on this show ever, but this one, it has a center mount stand instead of two feet on, on the edges of the TV, and it's height adjustable. I'm not sure I've ever seen a TV that had a height adjustable stand on it before. Nice. Nice. Really nice. Especially if you're going to slap a sound bar or a center channel speaker in front of it. Right. I love this. So as long as you're getting the 55, 65, or 75-inch models, it does have this height adjustable stand. The 85-inch model, apparently just a little bit too big for comfort on that center stand. Yeah, so probably needs something a little bit more sturdy. Yeah, yeah. So how does this compare to other similar uh, mid-range TVs out there? Really, the main competitors are the Hisense U8H, which I think is their second from the top tier. I think the 9H is their highest tier. And then the Vizio MQX, which we've also talked about a lot here. If we're looking at the 65-inch model, when it comes to that really great contrast ratio that you're really looking for here, uh, what really matters on an LED TV is the number of local dimming zones. We've talked about this a lot. The more, the better. The Vizio MQX series TV that we had talked about recently, which does look good on the 65-inch model, 30 local dimming zones. The 65-inch TCL6 series, 288 local dimming zones. Much better. I'm not a math whiz, but I think that's considerably better. Uh, the Hisense actually crushes that number, even though uh, it has 504 local dimming zones for the 65-inch model. So very, very good on, on its own sense. And really, what what Katzmeier, uh concludes with, with his review is, as has been the case for the last few years, if you're looking for the best picture quality in a TV that isn't going to break the bank, this is it. It still is the TCL 6 series. The only real reasons that he suggested maybe you want to go for the Hisense U8H uh, are that it does actually get brighter. It does have higher peak brightness in both SDR and HDR viewing modes. So 
if you've got a really bright room, then maybe you want the Hisense. But uh, and the Hisense has Google TV. So if you want that instead of Roku, then maybe that. But in terms of you know theater mode picture quality, the TCL six series this year's model it's the it's the one to get. And the sixty five inch model currently available at Best Buy for nine hundred fifty bucks. The fifty five inch is only six hundred fifty dollars. Those are great prices. Yeah, that's crazy good. Crazy good. I've been such a fan of what TCL is doing, and you're right. We did talk about these earlier. I'm glad to see that they are as good as we had hoped they would be. Absolutely. So on to our audio news. And the first one is a story from Spotify. We've talked in the past about how Spotify recently purchased an audiobook company as they're trying to find other ways to make money in their app, not just from music subscriptions, but other ways also. And one of them is selling audiobooks. Makes a lot of sense. Well, they're now in a fight with Apple over how that experience works on your Apple devices, whether that's iOS, uh, your, your iPhone, or your iPad. I don't know about the Mac app. I don't even have a functioning Mac app on my Mac. It never works for me. I have to use the web player. I don't know what's up with that. So it's probably just uh, the the mobile apps, though. So it used to be that if you wanted to play an audiobook and you didn't own it, a message would pop up and say, head to Spotify.com to purchase this title and then listen here. And we'll send you an email with the details to make it easier. And then you click a button and you'll get an email with a direct link to the Spotify website to buy the book. And then it shows up in your collection. Well, for those of you who know Apple's uh, App Store policies quite well, that's in violation of those policies. They don't want app manufacturers to do anything to encourage anyone to purchase content outside of the App Store. The main reason for that? Apple gets a 30% cut on anything that's purchased through the App Store. Right. So Apple said, nope, we don't like this message. You can't be directing people on, on how to do this. So what was the outcome? After two revisions of the app before it finally got approved by Apple, now the message says, want to listen? You can't buy audiobooks in the app. We know. It's not ideal. <laughs> that's all it says. And Apple approved that? And Apple approved that. <laughs> yeah. So, again, Apple stockholder. This is bonkers. Actually, I might even be a Spotify stockholder. I need to look into that. I I think this is skating close to that antitrust line again. And I can't imagine Apple really wants to deal with that right now. They kind of fought this already with some content providers and allowed them to provide some sort of guidance to customers who knew that you couldn't get it in app, but you could get it outside. And so that they're blocking this seems like they're backpedaling a little bit. And I don't really understand it. Now, of course, they sell book content. And that is why I think this is a dangerous line for them to hold because it suggests that they're making it harder for anybody else to sell book content for their devices. So I don't like this. I don't like this at all. 
I think that the 30% cut thing, despite many people not liking it, is fair. But if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't like put these pretend, you shouldn't have these pretend rules that you have to follow. Wink, wink. You can't buy it here. I mean, come on. Well, so I, I'm a little bit confused about where where you were finishing up there, because what are you suggesting that Spotify should do instead? Well, I'm suggesting that Apple should just let them give instructions on how hmm. this content can be purchased. If Spotify doesn't want to give up the 30% fee, then, and why, you know, whether it's 30% or 15% or whatever they've done based on the agreement that they have in place, you know, why Apple wouldn't allow them to give some sort of instructions to customers, I just don't understand. I think this is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous on Apple's side. And I hope that this works itself out to a better solution for customers. I don't see that happening. I, yeah. I think this is the solution that we've got. And who's going to do anything about this? Uh, the FTC seems to be uninterested in going after any of these guys. We occasionally hear about Congress investigating big tech, but it wouldn't be hard for Apple to say, how can you call us monopolistic? We don't hold a monopoly in mobile phones. And they're right. They don't. There are more, far more Android phones used in the world than there are iPhones. So it would be a harder case for them to make but on Android, you still get the message that says, here's how you can buy this if you want, whereas you can't on, on an iPhone. And yeah. none of this is new, right? Like uh, all of this changed in the Kindle app on both uh, iOS and Android recently. You can't buy any Kindle stuff in, in the mobile apps on either platform anymore either. So that's Amazon not wanting to play ball with with either of the app stores. So I I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of confidence that any of this changes anytime soon. So I think one of the things that they should potentially look into, meaning Spotify, is that the and it, it's funny that you mentioned Kindle because Amazon also owns Audible. And the way Audible gets around Apple's rules is that you can either purchase books from Audible, or you can subscribe to a plan that gives you credits for books. And Apple allows you to spend credits that you already have on your account toward a book. So Spotify could potentially get around this by having some sort of credit mechanism where you could purchase credits or subscribe to credits the same way that Audible works. Yeah, that might work. I mean, that might not be the business model that they wanted to have, but. Yeah. And it's such a weird business model. And uh, because it's such a weird one that I don't see used by anyone else, it makes me wonder if Kindle has a patent on it and Spotify wouldn't be able to use that mm. sort of business model. Interesting. Yeah, possibly. I'm not sure. But we will keep an eye on this situation to see if it, it gets any better. I would also be very curious to know if any of our listeners or anybody else that you know 
is actually listening to audiobooks on Spotify? Let us know. That's a good question. Well, so while we're talking about media services and Amazon, Amazon's music service is one that we've talked about frequently. We discussed it last week, and I got something wrong that I'll correct in just a little bit. But typically, you paid $9 a month to experience the Amazon Music Library and have access to that full library, whether or not you were a Prime subscriber. Prime Music gives you access to a select group of music pieces, say albums, and select playlists, but not everything. It was a significant, significantly reduced subset. Well, Amazon is now making its entire library of songs and podcasts available for free for Prime subscribers. Now, I'm scratching my head a little bit because, first of all, most people don't even know that Amazon does have podcasts, and they do. Home On is even on there. But I didn't realize that you had to pay for podcasts. That's a little bit weird. I'm hoping that's not the case. But now the music library and all of the podcasts are available for free. Now, the thing that's a little bit weird here is that this doesn't give you direct access to music. So while you'll have access to all the music they have, all the playlists they have, all the albums they have, all the genres they have, as a Prime subscriber, you can't say, I want to play this song. You can play an album, you can play a playlist, and it is going to shuffle that music for you randomly. It may even throw in related music that is not specifically a part of that playlist or album. And I experienced this myself. When I tried this out, I played the soundtrack for The Dark Knight, and it instead played a song from The Batman, a related album potentially, but a completely different composer. So they have their algorithm working, and this is not like a whole lot of, not unlike a whole lot of other services that let you play random music. I think it's pretty good. Now, it's not going to give you access to high def audio. It's not going to give you spatial audio. And last week, I had incorrectly mentioned that I thought these were an upcharge. They're not. They're included. If you were to pay that nine month, $9 a month fee, you would get those. But with this free service that you would now get with Prime, you're not going to get those high-end features. I don't know. Josh, how do you listen to music? Do you go and listen to specific songs? Or do you like stuff to be kind of just played for you randomly? It's definitely a mix. There are times when I just want to listen to a specific song. There, It's more frequent that I want to listen to a specific album that I do play in order. Thank you, Adele. And uh, there are also times when I just want to listen to effectively a radio station of a particular genre. All of those options, Spotify gives to me. Yep. Yep. Oh, good point. Adele's going to hate this. (laughs) Yes. Yes, she will. (laughs) So, but I I think for people who listen to music more the way I do, where I want to hear something from an artist and might appreciate hearing something similar from a similar type of artist, 
I, I think this is a great thing. I do occasionally listen to music from Amazon, even though I have Apple Music. And so I'll try and play with this a little bit more and see how this works. It is weird in Sonos. I noticed that in Sonos, you can bring up an album as if you were going to play it, but it behaves like a playlist or like a station so that you don't actually get to see the tracks. You just click on it and it starts playing, which makes sense for the service that they're describing here. But it's an odd kind of way of interacting with your music library. So it, isn't this basically like the experience that Pandora users get? Is it this is like Pandora and it's free without ads uh, as long as you're a prime customer. Yeah, I think that's probably a good analogy, except that, I don't know, Pandora seems to be a little bit more work. Like, I don't know. I, I, this is a good experiment. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try starting with a song or an album in one and trying with a song in another and see what happens. I tend to think that Pandora kind of strays a little bit further from that one song, whereas they're describing this as if if you're playing an album, it's going to be focused around that album, but you may hear other stuff. Hmm. Okay. So I guess we'll I, find out. I, I think this is a great solution for a lot of people who are already Amazon Prime customers. And yep. I, like. I don't prefer this every everything I want to listen to is going to be shuffled thing because I just want to listen to what I want to listen to. But last night was Halloween, so we were out trick-or-treating with the kids. And there are numerous houses that are out there playing music to playing I, I can't tell you how many times I heard the Ghostbusters theme song or the Monster Mash. It was a lot. There was one house that was playing music that had Pandora. How do I know it was Pandora? Because yes. it was a free version <laughs> of Pandora. Yep. So we walked up as we were hearing a Pandora ad. And the, the family that we were trick-or-treating with, the husband turns to me and says, I can't think of anything more scary than hearing an ad for Pandora on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention that that's public performance, but we'll just pretend that that's not the case. Right. I won't turn in that particular neighbor. Okay, that's good. Yes, it's it's not something you're supposed to do, people. I love, love hearing that Pandora thing when I'm at restaurants. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Cheap <laughs> oh skates. My gosh. Right. This is completely against the terms of service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing your experience with this compared to some of the other services like Pandora. Uh, again, if you're already a Prime subscriber, which you probably are, Man, it does just keep getting better, which is nice because this feels like the first big addition to Amazon Prime in a really long time. Since they hiked the price? Yes, it does. It really does. Yeah. What's Amazon Prime now? Like 125 bucks a year or something like that? it's 129 if I remember correctly. I don't know that I remember correctly, but I think that's what I'm paying. Right. Because you just pay it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So does Walmart have a, a competing music service? Mm. I don't think they do. I don't think so. Yeah. 
They do have a competing video service, but not right. a music service. Well, not anymore. Didn't they get rid of it? I should know this as, you know, a podcaster podcast about this sort of stuff. Well, they had Voodoo and they got rid of Voodoo. They did because they spun that off to Fandango, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Walmart, you're going the wrong direction. You wanted but- to compete with Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But <laughs> don't they also now have this like free TV service that we talked about a couple weeks ago? Yeah, it's all too confusing. Different. It is too confusing. But, but that's why we're here. Occasionally, we make this stuff less confusing for you all. <laughs> Sometimes we get confused. Yeah, it's a lot. All right, folks. Well, like Richard said at the top of the show, no gaming news that was really worth talking about tonight. So we're going to jump right into what's going on in our entertainment centers. And you may or may not have known that I was away last week. I was down at my rental property. And while I was away... I got a message from home a couple times that said the TV doesn't work. And you know, that's, that's the extent of the information that mm-hmm. I get. The TV doesn't work. Right. Like it's not turning on the volume. Like, can you be more specific, right. please? <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was. I got home and I found out firsthand what it was. It's behaving really weird. Like sometimes when I turn it on, the TV responds and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes when I go to play something, remember I'm using Google TV. Sometimes when I go to play something on YouTube TV, it just completely freezes up and then I get nothing. I have to reboot the Google TV. Sometimes I have weird static on the screen when I'm going through the Google TV menus. Static? Like pixelation. That's weird. That shouldn't be there. So I thought, ah, pixelation. Could be an HDMI problem. So I swapped out the cable. Nope, same problem. Mm. Not an HDMI problem. When I rebooted the Google TV, the problems went away for about 24 hours and then came back again until I reboot again. So I think my old Google TV is starting to see the last of its days. Have you tried today? Maybe this was just like a spooky thing for Halloween. Oh. Maybe it's all better now. Fair point. It hasn't gone out yet today, so (laughs) we'll see what happens and I'll report back. Did you see the little ghost in the static image by any chance? I I didn't, but that's a fair question. Now, the one thing that I'm thinking is if the Google TV goes bad, they haven't really improved the Google TV at all. No. So do I buy another one or do I go back to Apple TV? And I haven't figured out what yet because Apple TV does have a new thread ready version, matter ready version of their device that you talked about two weeks ago. Right. It is three times the cost of a new Chromecast with Google TV. (laughs) It is. That's a good point. Still cheaper than it used to be, but Yes. 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 So not sure. Not sure what I'm going to do yet. We'll find out. All right. So been watching a bunch of the usual stuff, the amazing race, the Star Trek's lower decks season finale was last week. That was great. I loved it. It was awesome. The final Jody Whitaker special as with Jody as the doctor for doctor who was just out last week. And, 
we watched that as well, and that was very enjoyable. That's a great little bit of a surprise ending, so stick with that. I mentioned that I had watched the first season of The White Lotus, and I didn't quite know how I felt about it. Season two just started. I watched the season two premiere last night. It so far seems a little less preachy, but it's still preachy. So don't know if I'm going to stick with that. We'll find out. Also started watching something I have wanted to watch for a very long time. Well, very long time, but the extent that it's been out for a couple months. And I haven't had a chance to do that. And that is Welcome to Wrexham. This is the real life documentary of, and it's a series, of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney purchasing and trying to run a real life football team in Wales. And it's amazing. It brings with it a lot of that kind of coming in from down under feel that you get from Ted Lasso, but it's real. (laughs) So I highly recommend this. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. And I would definitely give it a try. And the two of them are a riot. Any opportunity for them to ham it up, they always do a great job. So I I think this is worth giving a try. If you like soccer, if you like the context of Ted Lasso, and if you're a fan of either of the two of those guys, give this a try for sure. And do I remember correctly that this is also on Apple TV Plus? Is it? I this is an FX show. Oh, so it's an I'm FX watching show. it on Hulu. Oh, okay. Okay. I'd be surprised if it's on Apple TV Plus as well. I mean, maybe, but not that I'm aware of. Okay. So probably Hulu. Yeah. All right. Uh continuing to watch episodes of New Amsterdam, which is probably more than halfway through the season and I'm still catching up. Continuing to watch episodes of The Bob Newhart Show. We did not watch any more Lord of the Rings yet, but I'm home now and hope to do that this week. I will mention, as no surprise, because I think most of the people in the world can probably (laughs) say this, I did listen to Taylor Swift's new album that came out a week or two ago, and I liked it. But, I, I mean... I I don't understand. I don't understand. So, Josh, this album did something that no album has ever done in history. It currently holds all 10 of the top 10 <laughs> slots on the Billboard 100. All t- how how is it 10? I knew that they had There are 13 a tracks. Versions. And oh. apparently not 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 the 200 albums, the Hot 100 songs. Oh my gosh. All 10 of the top 10. Nobody's done that before. That's insane. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And it shows you just how different music is now from when we (laughs) were younger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you wouldn't discover a song on an album oftentimes until... An artist released it individually. You might say, Oh, I really like track seven. I hope someday they make a single out of that. Right. <laughs> and they may or they may not. Yeah. Yeah. 
now they don't even need to be singles and stuff because that's not how we get it. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It is for sure. I I liked it too. I don't like it more than, than ever more or folklore because it is poppier than those two, but it's good. Yeah. It's it's good. It's good enough. It's good. I think folklore so far is probably my favorite overall. Yes. So, and then as I predicted when I was traveling, to and fro from my house in North Carolina, I did listen to some audiobooks. So finish Steve Jobs. Finally. Also, I know, <laughs> I know, right? And it even made me sad at the end. Jeez, spoilers, <laughs> he dies. So I also listened to Carrie Fisher's Wishful Drinking, which. <laughs> It's such a great title. It is an amazing title. It is so self-aware. She was she she was such a funny person and I don't think people understood or appreciated just how funny she was. She also had a lot of demons in her life and she just lays them all out on the table in this book and it is hysterical it's wonderful and she read it herself so that makes it even better i always like that now one of the things that i didn't like about the steve jobs reading was that clearly the narrator who read the book never watched an apple keynote because they did not understand how steve spoke And that drove me nuts, drove me absolutely nuts. So I loved hearing something in someone's own voice. And then I finally got back to Ready Player One. My friend Chris gave me this book years ago, and I never really got into it. And so now, after having finally seen the movie and having enjoyed it, I decided, you know what, maybe I'll get back to this. It's read by Will Wheaton. That didn't necessarily give it points or take away points. But it just felt like a slog when I was going through it initially, because there's a lot of setup at the mm. beginning of this book. And so I sped it up. And I don't like to do that with books normally. But by speeding it up, it made it a lot more palatable. And now, like every spare moment that I have, I'm listening to this because I'm really enjoying it. Mm. So that's what I've been up to. That's the media and entertainment stuff that's been going on in my life. How about you, Josh? Not very much. It was a very, very busy week and weekend for me, especially with uh, Halloween stuff over the weekend and all of that. So only a little bit of gaming. NHL, of course, uh, finally got back again to Forza Horizon 5, the Hot Wheels expansion. We're on the second to last section of that, so maybe one or two more nights of playing that and we'll finally be done with that, I don't know, two or three months after that thing released. And um, also been playing through the Call of Duty Modern Warfare campaign, but not the one that you think I'm talking about. (laughs) The (laughs) Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came out last week. It's not that one. It's the first one that came out like three years ago which also isn't actually the first one because the first Call of Duty Modern Warfare was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare on the Xbox 360 in like 2009. It's kind of confusing, but um, 
I liked the campaign of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the 2019-ish version, but I never finished it. That's a a common story for me with with these single-player games. And, you know, watching the trailers and stuff for the new one that, that was about to come out, I thought, I really should finish the campaign because I'm interested in playing the campaign for the new one, and I will eventually buy the new Call of Duty. So I should play through this, and so I am. It was a ha- man. It was such a hassle getting it, uh, getting to be able to play it though. Because when you launched the game, at least the way that I had it installed, I had, you know, the the nice thing with some of these games is you can choose what you install. Because Call of Duty can get enormous because there's the campaign and there's multiplayer, and then they also added the battle royale version of the game to to Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So I've had some or all of those installed at various times. I did not have the campaign installed. I installed it. And when I launched Call of Duty Modern Warfare, it gave me an option to choose between three things. Pre-order the new Call of Duty, play the Battle Royale game, or buy the previous version of Call of Duty that was released last year. I could not find a way to play the campaign. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I uninstalled everything and then reinstalled the game, you know, like 125 gigs later. <laughs> and now it shows up. It's so dumb. Like we we have to be better than this if we're going to uh, allow people to install just parts of games. Please don't make it this hard. With with the new one called uh, Activision, please. That that's dumb. Like for me, I've got a fiber connection. It's not the end of the world. But even with a fiber connection, like that meant I wasn't playing Call of Duty that night. I was looking for something else to play. Right. And what if you didn't have a fiber connection? And <laughs> what if you had data caps, and now you're having to unnecessarily download everything again? Exactly. Exactly. I'm in a pretty good spot. A lot of people aren't. So yeah, for sure. Major, major problem there. So hopefully the new version uh, is doing this better. They are releasing a new version of the Battle Royale that will go along with this one. So hopefully this is just better supported in, in the months and years to come. All right. Well, that's that's really it for me. I probably watched some hockey and some football in there too, but even not very much of that. So we'll see what comes over the next week because that's going to do it for this week's show. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, and at DigiMediaZone. You can find everything about the show, all of our contact information, all of the show notes, links to everything that we talked about over at the website www.thedigitalmediazone.com. While you're there, check out Richard's other show. It's called Home On. It is a smart home podcast for the DIY smart home consumer. And when we do this show live, uh, you can find that there also. My throat was in rough shape tonight. No one wanted to see us do this show live. (laughs) So that's why we didn't do it live this week, but hopefully we will be back next week or at least soon for another live show follow us on twitter to know for sure when those are going to be happening that's going to do it for episode 605 he's richard gunther and i'm josh pollard thanks for listening to entertainment 2.0 adios goodbye